Hi, I'm Tom Coffin, CEO and President and Co-Founder of Simply Reliable Incorporated. Welcome to the Smartpreneur Podcast. What's a smartpreneur, you might ask? Well, a smartpreneur, in our opinion, is someone that focuses on working on their business, not just in their business. And our Smartpreneur Podcasts are designed to bring you some relevant information each week about your business and different parts of that business. It could be marketing, it could be workflow, it could be labor, uh, it could be business operations, many things that we'll talk about each week on the podcast. You can also check out our Smartpreneur blog at simplyreliable.com. And of course, our Smartpreneur podcast is brought to you by Simply Reliable, makers of Smart Office and Design Machine, the complete end-to-end solution for business process for systems integrators. So thanks for joining us today, and I hope you enjoy the show. This week on the Smartpreneur Podcast, we welcome Marilyn Sanford. Marilyn is a serial entrepreneur. She founded SmartFX. She founded LinkEdge. She's owned, grown, and sold La Scala, Connected Spaces, and Pacific Tech. And she's a Cedia Fellow. Please welcome Marilyn Sanford. Well, Smartpreneurs, we're back again this week, and look who we've got. It's Marilyn Sanford. Hi, Marilyn. <laughs> Hello, Tom. Always great to see you. And uh, speaking of, uh, of getting back together, uh, Marilyn's latest blog this week on Smartpreneur Blog is all about building communication pillars. So we thought we'd dive a little uh, little deeper in uh, to the uh, to the subject today, and um, and see what Marilyn's got to got to say about that. So you mentioned in your article, uh, in your opening quote, and let me let me read it so I make sure I don't mess it up. Uh, <laughs> when brands test, teach, and learn along with employees on the go, you'll not only solve the current problem but also future-proof your company. So can you clarify, what does that really mean? Yeah, I have to, I, I, it really caught my attention. And I thought about it a lot because, you know, when I first started, I would fill in the missing blanks in terms of our business plan. And it was a, it was a action that I did. And it wasn't something I lived. And when I got to the brand, I really started to think about what does that mean? And it does, a create, it, it does create an accountability. When you, when you put a message out into the market about who you are and what you, what you deliver, it is not just a sales tool. It is an accountability. And I think that the reason that that quote really resonated for me was that it speaks to that. The brand actually isn't a fixed thing either. As you learn more, as you engage more, as you work with clients more, that brand message reflects back. And you ask yourself, is this actually... Does this say it all? Does it say it well? Is it really what we are about? And it leads. It leads internally as well. Employees aren't dumb. If mm-hmm. I make a commitment externally and I'm not doing it internally, that's that's not a good thing for employees. That's not that that resonates in a negative way. So I think it's uh, it is really really important that you look at your brand as an internal tool 
and is something that guides your business and holds you accountable as well as something that goes into the marketplace. And it has to be important to the market or you won't get sales and no one pays attention. So it is an intricate, very valuable piece of the introspection and the work you do on your business. I also like it because um, it has to be tested and revisited, which is which is sort of what I just said in, in, in that sense that it it is it's dynamic. So um, it, it, it's a living thing, the brand. Um, and there are built-in feedback loops in the, to the stakeholders. And those feedback loops have to be everyone in the firm as well as the customer. So it's a really powerful statement. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Tom, you know, if, if we think about this, they, we, there's lots of polls, lots of studies going on in the market. And right. one of them that certainly caught my attention, and I, I think it's um, it's pretty profound, is that 74%, which is massive of employees, are looking at new job opportunities. Oh. 74%. Yeah. So you ask yourself, okay, how, how can that be? And I and I I think it's normal. You you want to look outside and see, but I also think it's motivated because there's something missing in that company. Um, so so the the question you have to ask yourself: Well, what are we doing internally to keep our employees engaged? Right. To make sure that they are not looking at leaving, and there's always reasons why. You know, yep. one of the elements in my business was. Yeah, it's a it's a sprawling city, and it's very expensive to be in the city. So employees wear long, long commute times, which takes a lot out of their lives when you think about how much time they're sitting in trucks. And so there are elements and pressures there that do um, cause employees to do that introspection. But I think a healthy culture, healthy values, and the ability for the company as a whole to problem solve that is important. It's really key. So an example might be instead of doing a long commute into the office every day, maybe you dispatch from their home to the site. You know, yep. may not be something you've done before, but that's part of that problem solving that maybe makes that a little easier for, for people to address that and deal with that. Um, and I think good communications, engagement of your employees, living that brand absolutely is is. It creates a, a tension and a, and a sort of an elasticity in the firm that holds employees in, that keeps them there, because it's a hard thing to find, I think, for a lot of people in their in their in their work life. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, maybe even even the four ten concept. You know, where you're just coming in four days a week, but you but you're working ten hours a day instead of the eight. You know, um, funny you'd mention that. I forgot about that. That we did do that. Did you? We actually created a four-day work week, which was part of the address for how you know how do we make this more effective. The other piece of that, which isn't directly related to this, but I think important, is that we realized that guys would get involved in a solution on site. By the time they come in, they get to site, they get working, and then the site starts to close. They only got four or five hours of time on tools. Yeah. So we expanded that to a, a you know, ten hour workday, four days, both to reduce the commute time, but also to increase time on tools, which had its problems too. But I think on the whole, it was really valuable. So thanks yeah. for mentioning that. 
Yeah, one of the things we did uh, at one of the companies I, I worked at in Texas was we hired a, a runner. So we had people just show up at the job in the morning, but early that morning, we had somebody with a van drive there and drop off whatever products they were going to need for the day. And then we really we really maxed out the day by doing that. That person That's paid great. really fast. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you talk about uh, about six pillars of communication. So, you know, what do you think are or is, you know, the, the biggest resistance that a small business might have to embracing these pillars of communication? Yeah. I think the first one is a lack, a lack or a loss of control. You know, you take a lot of risks as a business owner. It's your name on the bank. Yep. It's your vision that's leading. And I, I think that the feeling that you're going to lose control by bringing the team in, by having them be part of this, that's a, that's a difficult thing. For, for an entrepreneur or an owner to, to do, to recognize and to do that, to actually, um, in a way, open your business strategy to the employees. Um, and I think owners feel more vulnerable, vulnerable um, mm -hmm. in these situations when an employee does speak up or when somebody says, I don't think that's working or why don't we do? So that's, that's first. I think there's a feeling of loss of control I think inspiring others isn't really something that every owner can do as well. I think that's a different, a difficult thing to do. Again, there's a there's an exposure, there's a sense of um, vulnerability to the owner themselves. So I think um, I think it, it may be a little piece of losing control as well. But I also think it's a really important piece and. Um, you know, for for my business, one of the hard things for me was we hired a consultant to come in to sort of mine the, the team. Mm -hmm. It was a fantastic process, but I really felt vulnerable as we did that because you think as the owner, you, you're, it's, you, you should have the answers and you don't always have the answers. So part of, part of the um, looking at the values and the communication pillars is engaging it's inspiring. It's it's the strong sense of of um, uh, of good feedback loops, so people are in the know and understand what's going on. And um, so, yeah, I I was really pleased that I hired someone to help. And if it isn't your thing to help inspire or to be a strong communication link, find someone in the firm who can, because I think it's really really important. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, can you share some of the changes that you made in your firm that really helped promote a very healthy communications uh, and, you know, maybe share with us how that how that impacted the business? Yeah, well, one of the ones that I spent a lot of time thinking about is what I call the glass ceiling. And hmm. we we would work really hard. You know, we we assumed other businesses to kind of increase our, our our reach in the marketplace. I just we did a ton of outreach, but the hardest thing was getting past that glass ceiling. You know, that two two and a half million dollar annual sale, yep. and it just seemed to be insurmountable. And then I started to talk to a lot of the you know other dealers through Cedia and find out that hey, I'm not the only one that's having this problem, getting past that glass ceiling. So we struggled to to get to get past that, and I opened this up to the team, 
And this was part of when we hired a consultant to help us with that. And it was incredibly effective because we could start to look at ways to um, maybe cover more of the market. And so we opened up a mid-market in our business, which instead of being just the very high end, this was you know a little bit different products, a little bit different business strategy as well. Um, mm-hmm. And we also separated our service department from the mainstay of the business, which really helped. Um, so it was those elements. Um, we also pulled our techs out of the walkthrough for completion because they knew too much and would assume too much. And we put the service guy on those walkthroughs so that, you know, fresh pair of eyes and he doesn't want to send a service tech out. So he's really invested to make that work. Uh, we changed how we interviewed employees and really thought a lot about bringing people into the team so that um, it, it, the, our, our employee became part of the interview process as well. Um, mm-hmm. And that really helped. Um, we did exit interviews, which was why. What, what are we missing? What have you seen when people are much more willing to be open and honest if, they're, uh, you know, if their job doesn't depend on it? They've already made that decision. And that was really powerful. Um, we've changed our meeting structures uh, so that um, we had um, more input from the team. And um, we did uh, sort of meetings throughout the process, sort of separated the process as we went through it and did small meetings to say, okay, how did that work? If we yeah. look at the sales process, what failed, what didn't fail? And then we move through to the pre-wire process. What can we learn? And that helped. We had we tried to do this daily, but it didn't work. We ended up with weekly meetings where we did celebrations, shared what was working, and really opened up um, input from from the uh, from the team. And we did um, closing for for a job, which was hard because some jobs took a long time. But we would actually have all stakeholders and take a look at how did that work. Everyone shared the metrics on that. We understood. Uh, whether it was profitable or wasn't profitable, and we talked about what might change, and uh, and that was really really great. It it, uh, it was very engaging for the team. That's great. That's great. Good stuff. Uh, well, smartpreneurs, I hope you learn. I hope you got something out of today's uh, message. I I know I certainly did. Uh, always always learn something when I'm when I'm spending time with you, Marilyn. Okay. I appreciate the time that you spend with us. Uh, thanks for joining us, uh, Smartpreneurs. Uh, if you want to catch up on uh, any of the Smartpreneur blogs, please just visit uh, simplyreliable.com and click on the Resources tab, and you'll see Smartpreneur blog there. And while you're there, uh, you can sign up uh, to uh, get reminded of those blogs each week and subscribe to it. Yeah, you can also check out the Smartpreneur podcasts. Uh, we've got the video versions on our website as well as YouTube, but you can listen to these podcasts anywhere you like at any podcast service. So thanks for being with us. Hope you have a great week. And we'll see you again next time on the Smartpreneur Podcast. Have a great day.